Well, a lot has changed since that song was written in 1963, but for those of you who enjoy listening to music but you don't always listen to the lyrics, it's, a, it's the most wonderful time of the year was actually written about the busyness and the chaos that surrounds the holiday season. And so 50 years later, our busyness looks different, but how many of you guys can still attest to the fact that you feel the, sometimes the chaos that just comes with the season. Is, am I alone on that? Okay. Well, the, the, there is generally this sense that we want to be with family during the holiday season, and so you usually have a lot of travel time in order for that to happen. There's preparation time, and of course, the buying and the wrapping of gifts and the, the cooking for the holiday meals, and there are generally school activities. Kids have one, if not a couple, of different Christmas programs that we get to be a part of, and uh, all of this, the, the sports that are happening at the school at the same time, it just kind of all adds to the, the busy pace of life during this season. On top of that, many people still have what's called a J-O-B, a job that they still have to work during the season. You can't just take a break from work in order to accomplish all of these things, and sometimes your job as an office party or some other event during the holidays as well. And we all feel this pressure during the holidays to do everything with the patient generosity of Mother Teresa and the social perfection of Martha Stewart. And then we climb up into the attic and we pull out this giant mess that's called Christmas decorations, and we have to untangle it all, and when it's done, our home is supposed to look like it was featured on an HGTV Christmas special or something. Is there anyone in here who feels that tension during the holiday? You feel the, the, the pressure at the times, and then you can't forget about the dysfunction of holiday parties. Because holiday parties represents this collision of traditions and rules and etiquette and just plain personality, and they all come together. And I encourage you, I, I am a people watcher. I enjoy sitting back in crowds and watching people interact. I encourage you, if you have never done that at your own family party, to just take some time and sit back and watch the people that you call family how they interact. After doing that a number of times, I'm convinced that I have one of the most entertaining families in the world. And we're excited to be able to share our holiday season with you all here at South Suburban. In fact, this week, my wife's parents are coming from Kansas to spend the week, spend a few days around with Thanksgiving with us. And in, in those visits, we always have these beautiful moments of uh, some singing. Uh, there's a lot of eating playing with the kids, and then it's all followed by moments of total chaos. And how many of you guys have felt that as well? The, the wonderful, beautiful family moments of chaos in the holidays. It reminded me of just a couple of years back, Christmas at our home, as uh, we wake up Christmas morning and my two oldest kids are arguing about who gets to open presents first. And my youngest daughter, Brooklyn, is 
taking the ornaments off of the tree and throwing them across the room for fun. And my wife, Lanitha, is trying to get everybody kind of corralled around to sing some Christmas carols. And it's early in the morning, which means one thing for me and, and most men, I'm hungry. And so we have all of this chaos that's happening. And you kind of just take a moment and you step back and you, you say, like, welcome to our world, baby Jesus. We hope that you enjoy chaos because that's what you're going to find in our home during the holidays. Sometimes family time can get chaotic. But there comes a time in every holiday party that we all look forward to. And you know the time that I'm talking about. It's when the children finally crash. Like the holiday meal has caught up to them and uh, usually the guys do the same thing. I'm not sure how this happened, but I bless whoever did this that, that decided that it would be a good thing for the men to go take a nap while the women do the dishes. I don't know who decided that, but I'm really grateful for that, that, that season. But here's what happens. Here's what happens. Some people during that time, they're, they're watching TV. Some of them may be checking Facebook. Some may be taking a nap. That may be the case. But all in all, essentially, in that moment, everybody has just kind of checked out. I mean, they're still there, but they're not really there. You know what I'm talking about? Have you, have you had those moments before? There are numerous times in our life when we are physically in attendance, but we're not mentally present in the moment. And you can call it all kinds of things. People call it spacing off, or they call it that they're zoned out. But I think we can all relate to this. Maybe you're sitting in a meeting, but your mind is on the dinner plans for that night. Maybe you're a student, and you're, you're in class, but your mind is on some plans for the weekend that you have. Or maybe you're in church, but your mind is on the Broncos football game that day. I think the deal is that we can all relate to this sense of sometimes we're, we're here, but we're not really here. And oftentimes, our mind is elsewhere, and we get distracted. So as this holiday season begins this week, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, and uh, immediately right after Thanksgiving, when we, after we've taken a moment to say thank you and be grateful for all that we have, the following morning, Black Friday, everybody hits the the uh, stores to grab things that they want. And it's like we immediately forget and jump into the chaos. And that's part of the world that we live in now, of not being present in those moments, in those holiday celebrations, and really recognizing what is most important. And today I want to share about being fully present through the chaos, through the carols, through the pumpkin pie, what it is to be fully present during the holidays. And I want to do that by starting in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. And it, it tells the story of two sisters, Martha and Mary. And we're going to read that together this morning. The notes are in your, uh, in your bulletin, and they should also be on the screen. And let's pick up at verse 38 this morning. And it says, now as they were traveling along, he, being Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, 
who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations. And she came up to him and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, I think we all recognize that people, even siblings, and sometimes especially siblings, have very different temperaments. Parents, can I get an amen on that? Your kids are very different. And, and in this particular situation, Martha has a very big issue with her sister, Mary, and they are very different personalities. And I realize that probably you and I could associate with both of these sisters at some point in our life. But I also wonder, after reading this passage, if there is one of these uh, sisters that you might relate to most. There's Martha, who was really consumed with the details. She is the one who carries a to-do list around in her, in her pocket. And then there's Mary, who was more laid back and content to simply sit and to listen. And so I just, I wonder, how many of you relate to Mary? Mary, the one who is more laid back and can kind of go with the flow and get into the moment. Are there any Marys in the, in the group this morning? Okay, L listen, God bless you, but I just don't get you. I don't, I really don't get you. I'm a Martha. I get consumed with the details. Is there anybody else who's a Martha? Marthas are like way more proud. Like, yep, that's me. I'm a Martha. Here's my to-do list right now. Somebody caught me after service and she showed me the to-do list she was working on while I was preaching. She said, by the end of the sermon, I got convicted and I put it up. So, By nature, I'm a, I'm a really driven person. And um, it seems that whatever I'm working on in this moment should be the most important thing in the world for everybody. I mean, that's kind of the way that I feel at times. But in the midst of this drivenness, I sometimes get distracted by all the details. And maybe a lot of you Marthas can relate to that. You get distracted by the details. And so while recognizing that at the end of this story, Mary was in the right and Martha was in the wrong, I want to defend Martha for just a moment. Can I do that? I got a lot of people nodding heads like, please, just defend me for a moment. Okay, I want to defend Martha for, for just a moment here. Um, as you read in you know, verse 38 that Martha opened her home up to Jesus, I, I've, I've heard sermons about this passage a lot, and it seems like Martha always gets thrown underneath the bus. <laughs> She's always getting thrown underneath the bus, and Mary is the example of how we should all live all the time. So I thank you, Marys. I thank you. But I, I, here's what I want to do. I want to take a moment, and I want to point out that if it weren't for Martha, Mary wouldn't have had a place to sit at the feet of Jesus there is something to be said for people who make all these preparations. It's an important part of life. 
So Martha opened her home up to Jesus. She wasn't an evil person. She loved the Lord. And, the, and then there's, there's Mary. So for a moment, forgive me, Marys. I'm going to throw Mary under the bus just for a moment. I'm going to pull her back out, okay? But listen, okay? Just, just a moment, just a moment. Probably way more laid back. Probably likely a, a kind of person who would say yes without thinking through the details, which means that here's probably how this story kind of played out. Mary comes to her sister Martha and says, hey, Martha, I've got a great idea. How about we invite Jesus and all of his disciples over to your house, and we're going to eat, and we're going to have a good time. We're going to play some Scrabble. We're going to enjoy ourselves. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And immediately, as soon as Mary mentions it, all the details start flooding through Martha's mind. In a heartbeat, she's starting to think about everything that has to be done in order for this to happen. All the preparations. I've got to clean the house. I've got to set out extra dishes. I probably need to find some extra chairs from the neighbors to accommodate the extra people that are coming. I need to, to cook the food. I need to serve the food. And I've got to find the Scrabble game, wherever that's at. And so all of these, all of these details... So, Martha's, have you faced those situations before when somebody talks about an event and immediately you feel like you get overwhelmed with the details? Is it going to be like that? Okay, listen, here, this is so good. This is so good. There is an opportunity today for us to talk about how to disengage from all of those preparations and I want to talk to you about that this morning. So here's, here's probably, here's probably a, a little bit of the scenario. If you are a Martha, especially during this time of the year, and maybe you're hosting a Christmas party. There was another individual who said uh, between these services said that, that they are having 26 people at their house uh, on Christmas. My mind immediately was like, wow, <laughs> oh my goodness, how, how are you going to do that? And she was like, I, 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 so I've got, I've got a to-do list as well, and I'm preparing. Maybe that's you, and you're thinking, I've got to shop for gifts, I've got to shop for food, then I've got to prepare the food, and I've got to figure out how to serve the food. I've got to have the perfect Bing Crosby Christmas album playing in the background, and I've got to find a room for the kids to eat. I've got to find a room for the babies to play. I've got to find a room for the men to take a nap. I've got to keep all the coffee cups filled, and I've got to take out like the, the, uh, the, the huge pile of trash that just builds up throughout the course of this whole party. And so there's this sense that you start to feel the tension between Mary and Martha because Mary, probably on her way to the Christmas party, backs out of the garage and grabs a white elephant gift out of her parents' garage and goes to the party and shows up. And that was her preparation. And she rings the doorbell. And before the party has even started, Martha's already invested 30 hours in this event. And so you kind of feel a little bit of tension between these two sisters. And you can almost sense that as Martha gets frustrated. Martha's are incredibly valuable, and I, and I love them because holidays wouldn't be the same without them. Life wouldn't be the same without Martha's. 
And it's important for us as we start to look at this passage here that this passage doesn't suggest that preparations are evil. So if, if you take away from this passage today that, that preparing for the holidays is like against the Lord's will, you've, you've missed the point of this passage, but you also sense the tension, don't you, between these two. And I think it's a tension that for a moment we, we kind of need to hold up in front of us and look at it and say, why is there such a tension here, not just for us during the holidays, but really what does this tension look like in life? And I think that you guys have felt this tension before. When you step back and you recognize all of the details that need to happen, all the important things that need to happen in life, and yet you desperately want Christ to be at the center of it all. So you acknowledge there are a lot of things that need to be done in your life and in your world. But in your heart of hearts, you want Jesus to be at the very center of it all. But this passage says that Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted. And for those of you who maybe find yourself distracted during the holidays, I want to offer you an approach, not just for this season, but really something that we could apply in all seasons of life. And so let's look at this passage again. Verse 38 says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And the first thing that I want to acknowledge here this morning is that making preparations is important. It's important. During that time, it was actually customary for Jesus to stay in the homes of people who were spiritually hungry. And so you recognize that Martha wanted to hear Jesus. In her heart, she desired to have the Christ right there with her. And it's probably because of her hospitality, her, her warmth and her, her gift of hospitality that Jesus enjoyed staying in her home. And, it, and again, we, we, we recognize that for all those who like to help create these beautiful um, memories for other people, that, that, it, that people walk out the door and say, we had such a wonderful time at your party. And that is what fills up their tank inside. That's actually a good thing. It's actually a good thing. The world needs some Marthas. You, you read in verse 39, it says, She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. And so now here is where we give Mary her due. Because everybody needs to hear this. Mary is found doing the most important thing listening to Jesus. There's a reason that they all came together at Martha's house. It wasn't to eat. It wasn't to play Scrabble. They came to listen to Jesus. It was the point. It was to spend time with Jesus. So the preparations are important because without them, oftentimes, you don't get to the most important thing and, and those things don't play out. But sometimes, we get caught up, we get so caught up in all the ancillary events that we miss the point. We become distracted like Martha did. 
And I firmly believe that if the enemy cannot destroy you, that he is going to just distract you. And he is going to keep you from the most important thing. And our world is full of distractions. I think that's undeniable. There are so many things that are vying for your attention. And no matter if you feel like you're an incredible multitasker, that you can focus on numerous things at the same time, it is actually scientifically proven that your mind can only focus on one thing at a time. And so when you figure out what that most important thing is and you recognize that your mind is not on it, there's a responsibility that you have to make. And this is where we find Martha. Because there comes a time when you have to disengage from all the preparations so that you can focus and be fully present on the Savior. Because focusing on Jesus is paramount. It's the most important thing. The preparations are important, but the most important, the whole reason for the season, the whole focus, the whole point was that they would be with Jesus. Focusing on him is paramount. Mary did not allow herself to be distracted, but Martha did. And that's really what separates the two sisters. The topic or the issue of distraction. So when I read this passage it took me a few times going through it to really pull out the, there's so many different things that you can draw from this. You know, you, you can, you, you read it and you see, well, this is kind of a lesson on that we shouldn't be so busy. And I, and I think that's true. I think we need to slow down. You can also read it and you say, well, this is a, this is a passage about priorities. Because when you get to the end, you see that, that Mary chose. And so she, she must have chose this, these priorities that we can learn. And I, I think that's, that's accurate as well. But the more that I read through this, the more I realized it was not just about busyness. And it was not just about prioritizing our life. But the passage was really about you and I being present. It's a passage that asks us, are we really there? Because being present is essential. It is so essential. Sometimes we get worried about the turkey and the, the pecan pie and the presents and, and all the things that we pinned on Pinterest that week that we wanted to see happen at Thanksgiving. But Jesus, as you read through Scripture, he actually acknowledges those things. He doesn't say that they're evil. In fact, he says that we should be seeking first the most important things, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things he didn't say are evil. He said they'll be added unto you. They're not wrong, but they can become a distraction from what is really, really important. So it was uh, a couple of years ago, my wife and I took our kids to Beaver Creek, and we just wanted to, a couple of days to get away from the busyness of the holiday season. So we go to Beaver Creek and, and we find this, and we stumble upon this 
amazing playground for our kids. And it, it just almost felt like somebody custom built this playground for our kids because it had all of their favorite things in one playground area. So my wife and I are standing back, our kids are playing, and it's this playground, like the background, these beautiful pine trees and aspens and snow-capped mountains, and it was like our kids are having the time of their life. And so I'm thinking, I got to get a picture of this. This is fantastic. So I spend about 15 minutes getting the right picture, and then I crop the picture in my phone and edit it, and then I upload it into a program called Instagram where you can put a filter on it and, you know, and kind of edit it a little bit more. And then I upload it to Facebook and put a creative little caption underneath here, like, look at us all having fun. And, you know, and the whole time my kids are begging me to play with them. And in my mind, I'm thinking, can't you see that I'm busy capturing a picture of how much fun we're having together? And, and I got so distracted from the whole reason that we were actually there. Has it ever happened to you before? That you find yourself distracted by all of the details, Martha. All of the details. And it becomes so easy for us to get focused on those peripheral things, the things on the outside, and we neglect the entire reason that we're there in the first place. So Martha invites Jesus over to her house, and then at the moment where he starts teaching, and she should have said, preparations are done. I've done all that I can do. And now it's time for me to focus on this moment, on this man, on the most important thing. But instead, she comes over, and she starts fussing to Jesus because she can't get any help with all of the preparations. And it's so important for you and I to remember, especially Martha's, so important for you to remember, your preparations are never as important as your presence. What you do, your preparations, are never as important as you being fully present. Martha said in verse 40, Jesus, tell my sister to get up and to help me. And Jesus responds with tenderness. And we know this because he uses Martha's name twice. Parents, you do this all the time with your kids. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered with so many things. But only one thing is necessary. He did not rebuke her for her preparations. Martha's problem was not that she was preparing a meal or preparing the day for her guests. That was not her problem. It was that she gave too much importance to it. And today we still have to be careful that we don't let the things that we do become more important to us than the one that we celebrate during this season. Verse 42 said, Mary chose what was better. And that is good news for you and I. Listen, you can choose. You can choose at this time of the year what to focus on. 
If you're working on presents and parties and apple pie, that's fine, but don't miss out on being fully present with the Savior during this season. You can control what Christmas looks like for your family. And I'm not saying don't buy presents, and I'm certainly not saying don't bake pies, but I am saying to make sure that at some point you disengage from all of the preparations and the parties and the peripheral wrappings and you engage in celebrating Jesus Christ. You can choose just like Mary did. You can choose what to focus on. I think it's significant in the Christmas story that that Bethlehem was just absolutely packed with people because of the census. The staff at the inn was probably absolutely slammed. The busiest time of year for them. The guest had traveled from all over to be there, and they're mulling around, and they're finding their rooms, and they're cleaning up, and they're getting something to eat, and in the midst of all of that commotion, there was not any room for a very young, pregnant woman who didn't have a reservation. There was absolutely no recognition or even expectation that this woman might be carrying the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of God. And I want, I want to tell you that there is a danger that you and I face in just going about the preparations of Christmas, that we might find ourselves completely prepared for Christmas and at the same time, not at all prepared for Christ. Much of our Christmas celebration looks like the scene in that inn, these well-planned traveling choreographed eating, perhaps even some singing, while the Son of God is born in a manger just outside, just beyond our preparations, just beyond our expectations. He's outside of all of those peripheral things instead of at the center. Because in that Christmas story, apart from a a few scared shepherds being nudged by some angels and a mysterious star that, that somehow guided some distant astronomers, everyone else missed it. Everyone else missed it. We get ready for Christmas in so many ways, but often not in the way that matters most. Preparing our hearts to recognize and receive Emmanuel, God with us. And this Advent season, we're going to be talking in our services over the course of the next weeks about what those gifts really look like in this series that we're calling Unwrapped, the real gifts of Christmas. What was it? What is it that Jesus represents to you and I? We're going to talk about hope. We're going to talk about peace, the things that you and I desperately want, desperately need. We're going to talk about joy. We're going to talk about love. And I want to encourage you guys to invite your neighbors, invite your coworkers, invite your friends and your family. I guess I'm not sure why we always separate friends and family. It always gets confusing to me, but it's like they're not the same thing. But you know my heart in this. Invite people because they're going to have an opportunity to hear who Jesus Christ is to us. 
and why we can with confidence say that he was the greatest gift we've ever received. And we're going to be talking about that over the course of the next four or five weeks, all the way up to Christmas morning. So I want to encourage you guys to invite some people for that series. But as we close today, I want, I want to ask you this. We're going to bring it to this point. Maybe today you find yourself in a Martha situation in a spiritual sense. That you've spent your life doing good, working on details, all these peripheral things, but you've been distracted and you have never gotten around to the most important thing, the center of it all. You've never gotten around to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to do that. So as we close today with heads bowed and eyes closed, if, if you would like to make that decision today, if everybody would just bow their heads and close their eyes, maybe this is the very first time that you've ever accepted Christ, or maybe, as we've talked today, you've recognized that you've gotten distracted from what really matters, and you want to make that recommitment. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. You can pray this prayer with me. Just repeat this prayer silently with me. Jesus, this holiday season, I'm giving you the one thing that you, that you actually want most. I'm giving you myself. And Lord, I ask that you would forgive me. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that God raised you up to life again. And Jesus, I ask that you would come into my life, that you would be the Lord and Savior of my life. And I commit myself to you this day forward. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, as we, as we close now, I feel like I've said that three times. Are you ready to close? Okay. I, I, have, a, I have a habit. I think it's part of how God wired me. I think it's part of, of just a, a rhythm that I've gotten into, but I have a habit of typically praying twice as we close. At once is an opportunity for those to respond to Jesus Christ. Some of you guys know that we need to offer that as often as we can. I'm so grateful that when my heart was finally ready to say yes, that there was an opportunity for me to respond. But we also need an opportunity to respond to a message because this message steps on toes today. Martha's, can you raise your hand again? I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sorry. I had to do it today. It's stepping on my own toes. Listen. The holidays are beautiful. They're so much fun. I love the celebration. I love giving gifts. I love the family. And I, but I love Jesus more than anything. I love him more than anything. And it's not just about one month out of the year allowing him to be the center of my life. It's about saying, God, if you will help me, I can take care of details. But the most important thing, Lord, is that you stay at the center of it all. And so we're going to pray as we close today. And it's just a commitment that we're going to make together as the body of Christ and as a church. Would you guys bow your heads one more time with me this morning? God, we thank you for your great love for us. We're so grateful for it, Lord. Your faithfulness to us, your, your willingness to be fully present on that cross for our sake. And Lord, we're praying this morning as a church, as your body, 
but also just as your children, God. That you would help us to be fully present with you during this season. And God, we ask that all of our decorations would be would be beautiful. We pray that the, the pies that we bake would just be delicious, that our, our presence that we give would be meaningful. But most importantly, Lord, we pray that our worship and our recognition of you would bring a smile to your face and to your heart, that it would please you. And so, God, we commit ourselves to you. We commit this season to you. It's in the strong name of Jesus we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Would you guys please stand with me for our final hymn?